Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm glad that it is uh, Wednesday already. I think it's going to be not only a spectacular show, but it's the middle of the week. And it is uh, that time when it's we we think about the week hasn't just started and it's not quite over yet. And where are we um, when it comes to our walk with the Lord? I, I always think in the middle of the week, I want to say, like I do every day when I get up, where am I uh, in my walk with the Lord? Dennis Allen's going to join me talk about making disciples. Be right back. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Why is discipleship on the decline? That's a question I'm going to ask today to uh, Dennis Allen. He's written a book called The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Thanks for letting me jump in with you. Are you kidding? This is great. I'm thinking about my next high school reunion. I would like to rent your credentials. <laughs> Don't talk to my wife about that. Because <laughs> if I could if I could show up at my next reunion with your credentials, that would be impressive. Just to let my audience hear a couple of them, you were at the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. You got your MBA from Xavier. Let's see, you've been turning around a lot of companies. You're a teacher, an elder, a speaker all over the country, and you're a United States Air Force F-15 fighter pilot. That's pretty cool. Guilty as charged. I get it. I get it. But somewhere in that head of yours is... Uh, a desire to help us be smarter about disciple-making. So let me ask you this question. Uh, why? What's happened? I mean, we're implementing all these discipleship programs, but is it producing solid disciples? This is kind of the kind of lead-in that I just wish 1% to 2% of the churches in America would set up, which is do we even have a problem if you look all over the map at the credible research houses, you see plenty of symptoms that say something's not right. Mm -hmm. and we've got to do something about it. So there's, there's basically three parts to this situation. One, do you believe we have a problem? Two, what is it? And what should we do about it? Right. I'm assuming uh, we do have a problem. And what what should we do about it? We start out with... Uh, let me, let me just give you a couple of symptoms that teed up our thinking as the book came to life, because um, as you mentioned before, the believers were, were just looking at the landscape and going, what's going on? So here's a couple of numbers just to try to help people digest what's going on. If we look at the church attending Protestants in the U.S. today, notionally disciples, nine out of 10 of them say, it's not my job, or I'm simply not equipped or willing to share my faith. That's mm -hmm. one number, nine out of 10. If you look at people's spiritual development, eight out of 10 have no 
spiritual life other than attending a sermon 1.7 times a month. Okay, here's the one that really caught my eye and got me started on this book, both from a business perspective and a Christian perspective. Six out of 10 millennials and Gen Z's, think 45 and below, who grew up in the church have walked. And the statistics are saying they aren't coming back, unlike prior generations. Hmm. Their symptoms, that's not the problem, but there's the symptoms. That's uh, quite stunning. So when, when I think of some of the persecution that's going on today, there's a lot of pressure uh, for the, these Gen Zs, these under 45, to conform, to be popular, uh, to get lots of likes on social media. Uh, is that eroding their ability to be uh, strong disciples? I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction. Okay. I'm going to say that discipleship has been hacked. The operating system of discipleship has been hacked. Russians? technology term. Is that the Russians? And <laughs> Well, some of the people could have come from that territory, <laughs> but it happened 1,800 years ago. All right. So let's tee that up for just a second. I want to take it in a different direction because the thesis of the book is 1,800 years ago, we started devolving what discipleship was about, what Christ modeled discipleship to be about, introducing some really bad non-biblical traditions. We list six of them in the book, and we said these things have corrupted discipleship so that the symptoms we see today are coming to life in front of us. All right, Dennis, you've got to give me, you've got to put some meat on that bone. I want to hear what some of these traditions are that have derailed how we do discipleships. Let's start with one, go back to the third century, think about the period just prior to Constantine making Christianity, quote-unquote, the religion of the world. And we've got the persecution of the Christians then. You were talking about persecution a few minutes ago. The reality is optional lordship came on the grid hard and fast during that persecution period. There was a group of people called the Lapsi. And if you really drill down into the history, we find a group of people, some who were dying for their faith, others who were recanting and checking out. When things cooled off, they'd come back. When things would get hot, they'd check out. And I'm not condemning people because I, like everyone else, need grace, and I'm, I'm a very flaky Christian in my own right. But this idea of optional lordship has fossilized itself in the concept of discipleship, which is to say, I want Jesus to save me, but discipleship where I'm completely surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ unconditionally, that's an option. That's an upgrade. No thanks. I'm good. That's one of six. That's, uh, of course, going to be an issue for not only people under 45, but people over 45 as well. I mean, the whole idea of fully surrendering to the to lordship of Jesus Christ, when you ask people who have been following Jesus for a long time, have you fully surrendered? I think they are going to say yes, but in the back of their head, they're going to go, have I? Yeah, this idea of surrender, unconditional surrender, is not well understood in this generation. I Thank think. you. And when I say this generation, I'm thinking about this 30, 40-year spread of people who are in here because we're Americans. We're independent. We're autonomous. We have our own rights. When we think about surrender, what we really think about is negotiating a real estate deal. I'm going to give a little, you're going to give a little, God's going to give a little, I'm going to give a little, we'll get along and we'll compromise somewhere in the middle. That's not surrender. That's one of our problems. Toss another one out to you. We picked up on a guy named Simeon, the Stylite Elder, who was one of the great evangelists of his time. 
many centuries ago. He was converting a group of Bedouins left and right, but we called it catch and release Christianity because <laughs> the problem has continued to ripple through. A root cause in our discipleship today is we convert people, hand them a Bible, put them through a membership class, and we say, sure, hope it goes great for you. See you later. That's catch and release Christianity. My guest is Dennis Allen. He's written a book called The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. You know, Dennis, I've always thought that uh, evangelism and discipleship are one and the same. That's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're not separate, because I think sometimes I hear that people want to do evangelism, and then later they're going to do discipleship. And I think, no, that's got to be a, that's one-stop shopping. You do both at the same time. John Piper's done a great job of saying, stop limiting the idea of conversion to just, I prayed a prayer and now I'm done. Amen. Let's look at the broader world of that. And I think he's absolutely right in that. But we have, in soundbite Christianity, reduced Christianity to say the prayer, be an evangelist, say, get people to say the prayer, and then hand them a Bible and turn them loose, and surely somebody will help them. The problem is they haven't. Dennis, let's go back and talk more about Discipleship 1.0, and then let's talk about Discipleship 2.0. And sometimes the, better, the newer version isn't necessarily better, is it? No, it's not. And I think that's one of the uh, challenges that we face in the world. You think about, um, you were talking a few minutes ago about the, the uh, persecution of a lot of young people today when we look at uh, problems that are listed in a, like a movie like The Social Dilemma. I'm sure a lot of people have watched the social dilemma where we have concentrated down the tribalisms, the politicization, sort of the, the let's call it worldly theologies. And the crash and burn in all this comes down to this fact. We have reduced so much of discipleship to sound bites that we don't really understand version 1.0, Christ's idea, which is, here we go, and I'm asking everybody, please hang on. When I say this, some people are going to want to throw grenades, but if we get them, mail them to Bill, not to me. Um, the, the idea is non-believers become disciples. Non-believers start out as disciples. They are looking, they are checking, they are investigating, and they come to begin to realize who this Christ is. And they surrender, and they follow perpetually. It's a no-retirement plan discipleship. That's version 1.0. Version 2.0, well, we thought Jesus didn't think about a few things, so we want to upgrade it, and it has become, I don't really need to surrender. I just need to get saved and get back to what I was doing. If I hang around with people in the church, I'm really discipling. The pros are up on stage. I can sit there with my latte, and I don't really need to concentrate on improving myself, nor on taking the hope, the reason for the hope in me out to the other world. That's version 2.0 discipleship. That's interesting. Now, I certainly don't want to be bashing churches at all, but I will say no. that there's been, uh, over the last 30 years, a, a very much an attractional model to try to draw more people into seats in churches. Uh, try to be a little bit hip, relevant, popular. Let's make church the funnest place to be. Nothing wrong with that, but if you're not making disciples, I think you're missing the mission of the church. I think we get that part of it um, absolutely the way you've described it. 
uh, in motion. And I think there's a I think there's another part of this. And I think there there are movements afoot that say, well, intellectualism is the answer to discipleship. If we can make you really smart, so you can have discussions about infralapsarianism and all sorts of fascinating terms that really probably wouldn't show up at most cocktail parties. Boy, that's a great disciple because they're really smart. And or an experiential disciple. Hey, I've had these feelings. I've had these emotions. I've had these moments. I've had these indwellings. And if I've got that, I'm a disciple. When in reality, all those things are components of discipleship, just like going to church, just like we desperately need our wonderful pastors who are preaching great sermons and helping to educate and equip us and build us up. However, comma, discipleship is also and crucially and critically and in an oversight way missed by so many as following Christ as an individual with wingmen, with mentors, and with people in tow behind us who are saying, why are you the way you are? And why do you think the way you think? We've missed that relational discipleship so often in modern Christianity. And Dennis, some of the numbers that I look at are pretty alarming when I hear 90% have no confidence or willingness to talk about their faith. If we're not doing that, there's problems. Yeah, this is such an incredibly stunning number for me. The more I began to look at people like Pew and Barna and the International Center for Research Studies and even the Humanist Society and realize that that 9 out of 10 is holding true. And the reasons are... Many, of course, but some of the top floaters are these. Well, that's exclusive, and that's cruel, and surely God would have other ways to look at this, right? He wouldn't be just like that. Or, I don't know what I'm doing. Or, hey, Bill Arnold's the pro. Send him his way. Let him answer the questions and deal with that. That's not discipleship. That's passivity Mm -hmm. with discipleship. Yeah, although I'm not against anyone being sent to my show to listen to the radio. But that's another that's another topic. Dennis Allen's my guest. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, more on The Disciple Dilemma, his, uh, his book, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. There's some statistics out there we'll continue with that 80% of Christians are on mute publicly about who they are and what they believe. Discipleship on the Decline, The Disciple Dilemma, a book written by Dennis Allen, explains how people have been derailed from biblical discipleship for centuries and likewise derailed the development of making more disciples, which Jesus calls us to do. Uh, Dennis, right before the break, I was mentioning that 80% of Christians are on mute publicly about who they are and what they believe. And if that's true, we have a huge problem with evangelism, and discipleship. It's incredible, isn't it? To it look is. at mutinous statistic. In fact, you almost go, there's no possible way that can be true. Um, of course, this, the population studies are looking at mainline Protestants, evangelicals, of course, a larger swath of people. But here we have 52 million people in America claiming to be Protestant Christians, and of that 52 million, 
we have um, 90% of them saying, I don't need to be caught speaking about this Mondays through Fridays, or I don't know how. That's, that's a stunning number. And it piggybacks on this idea of what we call spiritual inertness, which is to say that about 80% of the church-attending Protestant community has nothing spiritually, no prayer life, no small group, no fellowship, nothing other than attending a sermon on average 1.7 times a month. That is a very atrophied discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I would like to mention Dennis's book is not a book about discipleship, but it's a book about the things that are uh, crippling discipleship and what uh, what can be done by leadership first and, and then to restore Christ's model of discipleship. Uh, in the first uh, segment, Dennis, we talked about uh, traditions that have derailed how we do discipleship. I'd love to hear another one. Okay, we, we stole a couple of terms out of the COVID pandemic. For example, one of them was the old term herd immunity, and we switched it and call it herd community. And what we mean by that is there's the idea today in Western Christianity that if I just gather together in a herd somewhere, whether it's church or small groups of 10, 20 or whatever, that if I slosh around with those people, I'll come out and I'm a disciple. Herd. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, there's a tremendous need for us to gather together. Let us not forsake the gathering together. That's so important for us, but that's not the totality of discipleship. That's a vitamin in our in our spiritual diet, but that's not the totality. You won't survive strictly on the gathering. So that's herd community. That was one more that we had, and it ties closely together with one other one. You've heard the term social distancing, of course. Everyone's heard that in the pandemic. We've got one we call clerical distancing, and the term is borrowed from uh, an old church history term called clericalism, and that meant if you aren't a pro, you have no license to practice the liturgies. Stay away. Stay in the pews. And it results over time in two problems. One, that the pros are the ones placed in the roles that the disciples should actually be in. We spent some time in history talking about that. But two, we eventually educate both the pastor and the pew sitter to say, one guy's job is to sit in the pew with his coffee. The other guy's job is to get up and pitch a really terrific sermon, and that's discipleship, and now it's time to go home and have lunch. That's a little discouraging to hear. So, uh, Dennis, what what will happen if, if we are doing nothing but creating fragile disciples that uh, result in uh, timid believers? Yeah, so the, so the book is really making the case that at the front end, first half of the book, do we have a problem? Here's the symptoms. We've just talked about some of the traditions that we think are the root causes in the destruction of good version 1.0 discipleship. But the second half of the book says, let's stop the atrophy. Let's stop the burnout rate. Let's stop the walk-off rate. Let's stop the muteness. And here's the way we go forward. And that bill actually began... In my career as a turnaround CEO, I go into Wall Street-owned corporations that are having trouble, struggling, and I spend several years with them as their chief executive officer and help stand them back up and get them turned around and back to health. Corporate repentance might be the joke I guess you could use on that right <laughs> term. Mm-hmm. Um, I started watching how employees are walking off. Employees had no idea who they were. Employees had no idea why they were there. And I said, gee, this is a terrible problem. And it dawned on me, as uh, at that time I was the chairman of an elder uh, board in a megachurch, and I went, 
wait a minute, that's going on all around me here. What's going on here? And I began to realize, as we dug down into this, the church started out with its evolved method of discipleship, and the business community thought, well, that's a pretty good model. Let's follow the church. Then the church started realizing it had a problem, and it started deciding to follow the business community, which was already following the church. And now you've got this kind of do loop going on where business and church are looking at each other's practices, neither of which are working because they've evolved. So the second half of our book is to say, let's stop that. Let's stop using Harvard Business School as our model for discipleship and get back to version 1.0. All right. I, I, like, I like that thinking a lot. Uh, and I'm fascinated that business and churches are similarly having the same issues. Uh, and those, those parallels are because they're both trying to borrow from each other. Did I understand that right? Yes, they're looking at each other. And of course, both commercial business and Christianity are in the business of people. And how do we work with people and get people to do things that we believe are necessary and important for us? And there's example after example of the same kinds of problems we describe in the disciple dilemma happening to GE, for example. And all these fascinating, we've got, we got several business examples in the book. But at the end of the day, you see it happening in Christianity. And we go, wait a minute, version 1.0 discipling by Christ dealt with this. And he's got a beautiful model for us. If we take it to the commercial marketplace with Jesus' model, and we take it to the Christian world with Jesus' model, I'm telling you as a turnaround CEO, this stuff works, and it makes people different. That is uh, exciting to hear about, Dennis. You got me all fired up. <laughs> well, we had a lot of fun writing the book. Let me give you a couple of thoughts just as a path forward so I'm not leaving you feel like we're in total gloom and despair. That would this. be nice. Version 1.0 talks about the crucial need for all of us to understand our mission. Matthew 28, which we all call the Great Commission, the co-mission, is actually a statement that is fascinating. It is not about converting people. It's about discipling people. And it's about getting on your mission, knowing why you exist. What is your purpose? What is your meaning? What is your destiny? And following that, broken businesses are broken because they have lost their mission. Discipleship is struggling because we in the church have set aside our mission to chase other things. We've got, as leaders, to get back to the mission. And it's not a statement you put on a piece of paper and set on a shelf. It is what you live by day in, day out, decisions that you make, the way you think, the way you plan, the way you execute. That's what we call, Bill, in the corporate world, culture. That's the glue that keeps us on the mission. So the disciple dilemma is saying version 1.0 discipleship biblically represents believers following Christ unconditionally on the mission he gave us, not other missions he gave us. If you do the mission that Jesus gave us, which is the making of disciples, you get all the other stuff. You get prayer meetings, praise, worship, mission trips, sacrifice, surrender. But if you don't do the mission, you get fragile, brittle disciples. That's what leaders have to do. That's why this is a book for leaders. Leaders have to change our culture. Mm. Dennis, I, I, you hear that people will say, I went to this church, I wasn't getting what I wanted, and it does seem that more and more we're treating churches uh, in a 
in a consumeristic way where you talk about, well, if you come to this church, you'll have an amazing worship experience. And I think, well, that's nice, uh, but the purpose of worship is to praise God, not to necessarily get something for you. Do I have that right, or am I off base on that? I think the statistics would support you. There are two dysfunctional collisions in many churches on a Sunday. One is I have to provide a venue of entertainment, joy, and concierge Christianity so I can drop the kids off, grab a coffee, catch a great sermon, feel really good, and go home. That's a collision point from the church side. The other side is consumerism. I am that concierge Christian, and I'm walking and looking for the best service. It's a consumer-based item. Mm -hmm. Those two sliding together are just a travesty for discipleship as opposed to that person surrendered in Christ, following Christ, and gathering together other believers to praise, worship, and serve, giving up their own life for the Mm -hmm. rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So when you are showing up at a church and you want to be, uh, and you want to be discipled and they have a good discipleship program. Uh, is there a, a way to remind people that there's going to, re- it's going to require not only some sacrifice, but, but putting, placing yourself under some leadership and authority in order to be trained up in God's word and to be, uh, and to be discipled. One of our statements in the book and this is borrowing from both Christianity in the biblical sense and the corporate world, is we're on the journey of a greenhouse growing plants, not microwaving a pizza, right? (laughs) This is not short-term, catch a few programs, catch a few sermons, and everything's great. This is how we reconstruct a culture so that you and I begin thinking like this. My job, surrendered to Christ, is to have mentors ahead of me, wingmen beside mm-hmm. me, people who are walking along, perhaps learning a little bit from me. That's a complete culture shift as opposed to I hang out with friends, catch a sermon, and go home. We have to change culture. Leaders have to change culture. And it may begin, it may have to begin, with a very few people in a church and a lot of other people saying, look, I'm just too far along. This isn't for me. I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And the church rebuilt the roots up as opposed to just trimming a few branches and moving ahead. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Dennis, great to have you on. This has been so interesting. You've, you, you've made me think in a good way. My brain doesn't hurt. I appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me. You bet. Dennis Allen's been my guest. His book, The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. We'll take a break. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.